You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1131 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want or don't need. And it can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Today's podcast, we'll get into what became a 121-110 to victory for the Hawks on the road in Minneapolis. A very solid win overall, but the headliner in this spot was the Hawks making 25 threes. That is a new franchise record, and they were bombing away a new season high in three-point attempts. They were getting them up, they were making them, and that kind of covered up a lot of other sins from the Hawks below the line. So I'm not sure if the Hawks played perfectly in this game. In fact, I know they didn't play perfectly in this game, but they made a ton of shots, and that is uh, one of the best ways to get a win on the road and kind of overcome some obstacles in their way. So with this win, they actually had lost three out of the last four coming in. So they're above 500 again. They were 12 and 12 coming in, now 13 and 12 on the year. And we will get into all the nuances as we always do on the show. Before we do that, though, I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. As always, please subscribe. Watch the House podcast, your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Odyssey, etc. And tell a friend about the show whenever you possibly can do that. So we'll get into what transpired in this game in a second, but first some pregame context. This is a very difficult situational spot for the Hawks on paper. They were on a back-to-back, of course, after playing at home on Sunday. Minnesota had full rest after two days off, and they were also playing at home. Um, so, you know, coming into the game, actually, the Hawks were two-point underdogs, according to our friends at BetOnline.ag. Now, the Hawks are better than the Wolves. I think everyone kind of agrees on that. But the injury stuff and the situation kind of pushed that over the top. Um, the Hawks were without Cam Reddish in this game once again. He's left wrist brain. He was questionable uh, coming into the game and was a game-time decision, but ended up not playing after he sort of had a non-COVID illness this week as well. So I'm not sure when Cam will be back, but the Hawks do have some extra time after this game. And then Solomon Hill missed the game with the right hamstring injury that he left the game with on Sunday. So the Hawks were down even more guys than they had been recently. Uh, you know, Bogdanovich, Hunter, and Okongwu was still out of the lineup as well. And the Hawks elected to send Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper back to College Park. Also, Anika Kongwu is now uh, in College Park doing some rehab. So that's something that Travis Schlenk alluded to a few different times in the last week or two. But Kongwu is now officially, at this moment, with College Park. Uh, I think he will play at some point in a game. But at a, at a minimum, he's now going to be practicing with them, ramping up a little bit. And his, his, uh, his return is sort of getting closer by the day. With all that said, though, the Hawks had 10 healthy players available in this contest, and none of them actually appeared in the game. Skylar Mays was the only guy who was active and healthy that did not appear for the Hawks, so they had a short bench, and they used it for the most part um, throughout this contest. Um, elsewhere, um, as we sort of dive into what transpired this game, oh, I, w- I do want to mention that Minnesota was, out, was without some guys too. D'Angelo Russell and Patrick Beverly both missed this game for Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns was listed as questionable at one point, ended up playing, but still, without Russell and Beverly, they were down their two best lead guard types, and then also they had a couple injuries during the game as well. So Minnesota was not their best self, but they, did, they obviously did have Edwards and uh, in Towns, as well as Malik Beasley, a local Atlanta product. So um, the story of the night was really kind of happening at the outset, and it kind of never stopped. That was the Hawks making shots. They made five of the first six shots from three. They put they took the lead right away, actually had a sort of extension of that run with a 13-2 push by the Hawks kind of late in the first quarter to go up by 13 points. They scored 30 points in about 10 minutes at the outset of this game, kind of set the tone offensively. I think on defense, the 
Effort level was better than it was on Sunday night, but it was not like perfect defensively. I think Minnesota, if you watch the game back, missed a bunch of looks that they were capable of making. And they started making them in the fourth quarter, just for the record. It kind of helped their stats out, but through three quarters and really the first half, the Wolves were really not just shooting the ball very well, and the Hawks obviously were, so that kind of uh, sort of laid out the um, the spread. But I think point of attack defense was definitely still a problem in this game. The Wolves got the shots they wanted for the most part in the early going, just didn't make them. Um, rotationally, the Hawks used nine guys in the first quarter. They used Gorgie Jang as the ninth guy rather than trying to play eight. They played eight guys only in the second half of Sunday night's game, and instead of trying to do that with that short rotation, McMillan added in Gorgie Jang, kind of have Collins play more of the four, as he's, been, he's basically been the backup center for a while now. Uh, he played a little bit of center in this game, but it was, uh, there was some nice Gorgie Jang minutes along the way. Uh, they did not do the early substitution for Trey Young, which they have done back and forth, kind of taking him out and then bringing him back in early in the first quarter. It didn't happen in this game. They actually used Kevin Herter as kind of the bridge to the second unit, which uh, they've kind of done that uh, with Collins at times, done that with Trey at times. Uh, tonight it was Herter, um, and that was interesting enough rotationally. Um, they led by as many as 13 points, as I said before, in the first quarter. Ended up leading by nine at the end of the opening period. They made nine threes in the first quarter, which definitely set the tone for what became the franchise record. But making nine threes in the quarter um, was a season high for any quarter, and that obviously, you know, if you're, you're on pace for 36, 36 threes for the full game, uh, they were not at 15. 15 attempts is a ton in a quarter also for the Hawks. It was the first time in um, almost three years that the Hawks had made nine threes in the first quarter. TLC was hot early on, actually had a great game in this game, um, his best in a Hawks uniform. And crazily, and we'll get into this later on as well, the Hawks were 2 of 11 on two-point shots in the first quarter, and they had five turnovers. But they still, because they shot so well and so often from three-point range, they were able to overcome a lot there. As I said before, Minnesota shot 35% from the floor in the first quarter, and that was kind of what put them behind the eight ball. Uh, the Hawks kind of had a slow build in the second quarter. Um, again, up by nine at the outset, and uh, you know they kind of just churned through some possessions, ended up leading by 17 mid-quarter at a timeout. Uh, Gallinari was a big part of that. He had 12 points in his first you know, six, seven minutes on the floor. He was very hot at that point in time. And by the way, he averaged almost 18 a game the last two games, so it's been a nice little stretch for Gallo here as these shots are finally starting to go in for him. Um, a lot of that push actually came with the bench on the floor, which is good to see. And the Wolves, at, at that point, down 17, were 11 of 35 from the floor. So uh, it was kind of a two-way kind of uh, mess there, and they couldn't make any shots, and the Hawks were so hot. There was a weird challenge by Minnesota. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of like challenges on two-point attempts in the first half in general. I'm not really sure why they did that, but they lost that one. And then in the middle of that scrum... Patrick Beverly, who was not playing in this game, who was in street clothes, got a technical foul on the bench. Um, actually, Trey missed the free throw on the technical foul, so it didn't really burn them, but kind of a weird moment that I want at least wanted to highlight. Um, rotationally, it was like largely conventional. They kind of staggered Herter, and they used Jang, but they put the Stars back in about five minutes to go in the first half. The league got to 20 at one point down the stretch of the first half, but there was a nice little run by Minnesota, a 12-5 close by the Wolves to get within 13 at the half. The Hawks missed their five of the last six shots. And probably should have been up by more than 13. It didn't bite them, obviously. But still, they kind of didn't close perfectly well. And they didn't shoot very well either in the third quarter. That was the, uh, Sorry, in the second quarter. That was the only time the Hawks didn't shoot well in the whole game. They were only 3 of 12 from 3 in the second quarter after that super hot start. And they shot 38% from the floor. Minnesota just couldn't get going and kind of overcome that deficit. Um, offensively, for the whole first quarter, the whole first half, I should say, a 117 offensive rating is very, very solid. They did cool off from three, but they hit 12 in the first half. That was a season high and a half for the Hawks, and they actually got up 12 corner threes in the first half, which is obviously a lot. Um, to, to, to be up 13 
despite only making 72-point shots, is a little bit weird. Um, but 14 assists, and Trey Young had 16 points. Um, a rare scoreless half from John Collins, who had a big second half. But um, interesting, just kind of note that as put a pin in it. But defensively, they held the Wolves to about a 92 offensive rating. Um, but I think basically all of that was explainable by the fact that Minnesota just not make, did not make shots at all. They actually were pretty good at everything else um, on paper, including four turnovers only for the Wolves in the first half. But they shot... 35% from the floor, 29% from three, and 9 of 13 of free throws. So that was kind of a gift to the Hawks in that spot. And as we'll get into later on, that double-digit lead basically maintained the entire way. There was a very, very brief moment in the fourth quarter where the Hawks led by, I think, nine down the stretch. But it was kind of over at that point in time. And essentially from the first minute of the second quarter to the end of the game, the Hawks led by double digits, and it was never really challenged by the Wolves at the highest level. Um, before we get into the second half and some overall, broad, you know, I would say, broader observations and takeaways from this contest, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show is also brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone who is not an elite athlete like me. You're just trying to make it through the day with tension-free activities. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun has also been awesome for me, uh, trying to relieve some tension from hovering over the, over the computer all day long and being stiff and all of that. It's been a godsend through that prism. And honestly, you should use it because I use it and uh, you absolutely should too to be relaxed and help you feel better. Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers in addition to me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, we'll dive in the second half now in this contest. And obviously it was pretty favorable overall for the Hawks. Um, early in the third, they actually started out making a couple threes from TLC and Trey Young. Couldn't get a lot of stops early, though, and Nate McMillan called a pretty frustrating timeout, at least in terms of what he was probably feeling in that moment after uh, Towns blew by Capella for a very easy bucket. 
Um, after that timeout, though, is when the Hawks kind of broke the game open for the, not the final time necessarily, but if you want to point to one stretch where the game became um, totally in hand, I would say this is probably it. It was a 10-0 run by the Hawks to go up by 21 points. Collins had five points after he hadn't scored the whole night. There were a three, a three by TLC. It was the sixth of the night at that point in time. He was bombing away, and the team had 16 threes early in the third quarter. Um, from there, they were kind of comfortably in control. There was an 8-0 run by the Wolves coming momentarily after that when they made a couple threes in a row to get down to like 15 or 13. But still, the Hawks kind of answered from there with a run of their own, hit a bunch of threes. Gorgie Jang hit two threes. Gallo hit two more in the uh, last couple of minutes. And that gave the Hawks 21 three-pointers in the first three quarters, which is uh, obviously a franchise record as well. That's obviously that's just ridiculous in a lot of ways. And they led by 18 going into the fourth quarter. They had a 126 offensive rating despite 11 of 30 from three. Sorry, 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 sorry. From two. I'm not even used to saying 11 of 30, 30 from two, but that's what happened in this game. And they were 21 of 40 from three after the third quarter. Uh, in the fourth, they kind of used probably the ugliest lineup that I have uh, seen in, the, in a while from the Hawks in terms of on paper. Um, they had used Herder as the bridge guy in the first half. Um, in the second half, they used a lineup that was Basically a full bench unit. It wasn't technically because TLC was starting in the game, but it was DeLon Wright, Lou Williams, TLC, Gallinari, and Gorgie Jang together, which is a throwback to where we kind of were in terms of uh, Hawks observations from like a month ago when Nate was still going full bench units. Uh, it didn't burn them, though. Uh, Gorgie Jang helped with that with some hot shooting. He hit three threes in a pretty short area of time, and people kind of freaked out about that, but um, I think that's kind of overlooking what Gorgie Jang has been. Now, he's not uh, Carl Anthony Towns as a marksman, but... He shot 37% from three the last three seasons. Again, 37% over a three-year sample size. Now, the sample is not, like, enormous, but it's, like, it's 200 plus threes. Like, Gorgie Jang can shoot. So, um, there was some reactions as if he was, like, click, like click Appella shooting threes. But Gorgie actually is a weapon from three-point range on some level. Not great, but if he's open, you want him to kind of shoot that and be at least willing to do so. But he made three threes. That definitely helped. And uh, once they got the starters back in the game... The Hawks were able to kind of stabilize. They brought Trey Capella and Herter back in with about seven minutes to go. They made the franchise record, um, at least they tied it, when TLC made his 7-3 of the night. That was 23 from the Hawks. Um, the, the only minor scare of the whole second half was that Malik Beasley, a local product from Minneapolis, um, got super hot and actually hit four threes in like a three or four minute span. That cut the lead down to 10 with about five and a half minutes to go. It was a 9-0 run by Minnesota overall. But still, the Wolves just kind of just made shots that they were missing early on. I'm not even sure they played much better. They just kind of got some shots to fall. But the Hawks, after a timeout, had a big shot from John Collins to find stuff that all stop the onslaught from Minnesota. That was the franchise record um, breaking three pointer, by the way. And they got three stops in a row to kind of break the momentum from Minnesota. It wasn't over, but it kind of was. Um, they got it down to 11. The Wolves did, and then uh, the Hawks missed five shots in a row at one point. But they uh, got some stops interspersed in there, and then Kevin Herter made a shot, and I think that's probably the one that kind of put it away for me, go up by 13 with about 150 to go. It's not, like, over at that point, but um, it never really was close. The Wolves got it to 9 with 30 seconds to go, but that was kind of the end of that. Again, uh, just to kind of take a step back here, the offensive game was really interesting for the Hawks. All that matters at the end of the day is how much you score on a per-possession basis, and that was about 1.25 points per possession in this game. Uh, that's obviously going to work. Um, but there is some nuance though. It's like, let's just get into it. Um, they shot 25 of 49 on threes. Now, franchise record for makes 
That's very clear. Um, actually, the previous record was last season and back in February when the Hawks made 23 threes against Boston on the night where Gallinari made 10 and they made 11 in a single quarter. And that was uh, 11 for 11. They just you know, were just out of their minds at that point in time. Um, so that speaks for itself. Season high for attempts. They got them up. They made a bunch. And when you shoot that many threes and make that many threes, you're going to win more often than not very clearly. And uh, that kind of swings the math in your favor. Now, the Hawks were 15 of 41 on twos, which is about 36%. It's very difficult to win, particularly on the road against a pretty decent team in Minnesota, and shoot that badly inside the arc. Um, and they did. And they never even were challenged because of the three-point shooting. So that's kind of interesting. They also lost the turnover battle and rebounding battle in this game, which are – they didn't get killed either one. They weren't, like, disastrous in turnovers or disastrous in rebounds on either end of the floor. But they lost both of those. But, again, just didn't matter because they made so many shots. 31 assists from the Hawks as well. So, you know, process-wise, the Hawks took a lot of threes, which I definitely support, when you're, especially when you're hot. But a lot of quarter threes, they probably it's probably season high in terms of quarter three attempts from the Hawks in this game. They were definitely getting some good looks and making them and not being shy about taking them. But it was an interesting process game because I'm not sure if you ran this back on the same shot quality the Hawks would score um, all that well all the time, but they just kind of happen to make a ton of shots in this game. But hey, it works, and uh, you'll take it for sure. Um, defensively, they allowed about a 112 rating to the Wolves, and that's solid enough. Um, Minnesota got hot late. They actually made eight threes in the fourth quarter when it was kind of, it wasn't garbage time, but they were definitely trying to play fast and bombs away, and Beasley hit four of those on his own. I don't think it was great defensively in this game. I got to be honest. I don't think it was like fantastic process. It was kind of a s- similar to the offense in that I think if you run this game back, Minnesota might score a few more points than they did in this game. I think they balanced out their performance with their fourth quarter shooting to kind of get back into where a normal range would be. Um, I just don't think that the Hawks would have won this game as comfortably if you simulated it over and over again. But I think the Hawks were the better team in th- still in terms of process because of the three points that they took, um, rip protection stuff, etc. So... Um, interesting for sure, but I have to say kudos to the Hawks for overcoming all kinds of adversity here. Yes, Minnesota was shorthanded as well, but the situational spot was about as bad as it gets to be on a back-to-back on the road um, when the opponent is not on a back-to-back, actually had two days off. Um, that's a huge swing. That's probably like a four or five point, you know, point spread kind of swing against you. And Minnesota is decent. They're not great, I don't think, but that's, that's a competitive team that has a lot of talent. And the Hawks uh, were able to get a comfortable win on the road, which you cannot overlook. All right, before we get to the uh, player stuff in this spot and uh, some final observations from this game, it were from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track, you switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone, you can listen to the latest episodes, and keep up with your favorite players and teams. Also, you have the power of three unlimited data lines, 30 bucks a month per line, so your family can share all of the insights, and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks, so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and you can find out today. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. There's more power to save with Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage is not available everywhere and for all phones or networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. All right, we'll close up shop with some player observations on this Monday evening into Tuesday. And four guys off the bench appeared for the Hawks in this game. DeLon Wright was the quietest on offense of the bunch in some ways, but actually had a pretty prolific game. Uh, Three points, 
Six assists, though, in 17 minutes for DeLon with no turnovers. That's a heck of a ratio there. Three rebounds, played good defense as always. I continue to think he's been a positive influence on the Hawks, and uh, he's playing quite well off the bench. Lou Williams was better tonight than he was on Sunday. It was not his best, though. Did have five points in on five shots, 60 minutes, but relatively quiet otherwise. Defensively had some issues. Wasn't his best performance, but they had to give some minutes to him because of the shortness on the bench, so no harm done there. Gorgie J made the three threes in short order and actually I thought played pretty well off the bench. Um, you know, nine points, five rebounds and a block as well. It was plus six when he was out there in 13 minutes. I'm kind of in favor of going to him as the ninth guy. I don't think it was wise to kind of go through this trying to aim for eight players. Um, I would not have minded Skylar Mays either, but because Minnesota had to kind of go big without their point guards, um, I wonder if they actually might have tried Skylar if um, the Wolves had their guards. But alas, I think that made a lot of sense on a back-to-back, and Gorgie is a solid, capable vet that made a difference in this game. Gallinari was the most prolific off the bench with 20 points on 11 shooting possessions, so obviously a heck of a night in terms of shooting. Uh, 4 of 6 on 3, 7 10 on 2s, sorry, 7 10 overall, 3 of 4 on 2s. 2 of 2 from the free throw line, had 5 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and a block. Was only minus 1 in a uh, double digit win, but I think that's more to do with his defense. But still, I think offensively, you cannot um, criticize Gallo this guy. I thought he was pretty lights out. Um, you know, the overall defensive stuff, he's going to give some back on most nights. But I think uh, it's been good to see him kind of have three good games in a row in terms of his scoring and offense because at the end of the day, they have to have him scoring to justify playing him, and he's been able to find it a little bit in the last week or so. To the starters. Um, Clint Capella will start there. He probably had the weakest game of the five, but even then he had some nice moments. Nine points, 16, re- 16 rebounds, which is obviously a ton. Four assists. That's a big number for Clint. Had four blocks and a steal. Um, I, I think that probably does not – I don't think he plays as well as the numbers indicate, to be honest with you. Um, I think he was not as bad as some thought he was during the game. You know, he had some bad moments for sure, and I think he's not played as well the last you know week to ten days as he was before that. But I think that Capella had some nice plays, some backside repetition stuff. I think the issue for the Hawks defensively in this game was more so on the perimeter than it was near the rim overall. And rebounding is definitely something you could have in the four blocks, etc. Um, offensively, missed a couple of bunnies as he's always going to do it seems at this point in time. But I think it was an okay night for him. Um, not as good as he needs to be, though. He's going to have to be better in the future, and a tough matchup, obviously, against Carl Anthony Towns. Kevin Herter had a quiet night overall, but um, generally was actually effective in terms of his impact. Plus 14, a team high there, but uh, 10 points, 4, four assists, 5 rebounds, had a block shot as well. Um, 4 of 13 on, on, from the floor, uh, 2 of 7 on 2s, which is actually a lot of 2s for him. Uh, two of six on threes for Herter. I thought he was okay. Just didn't make a lot of shots. He was kind of the only guy who didn't shoot it well in this game for Atlanta. Uh, other than uh, I guess Trey a little bit on twos as well, but which, which we'll get into in a second. But I thought Herter did a nice job overall and played 38 minutes. The Hawks um, you know, kind of need to play him a ton right now, and he's, he's been able to kind of take the usage and run with it at this point. John Collins had a scoreless first half and had 13 points in the second half. Had a, had a block shot, six rebounds, and an assist. Was uh, not his best in terms of efficiency. Two of eight on, uh, sorry, two of seven on twos, three of six on threes. Made a bunch, of jump, made some jump shots in the second half, we'll say. But um, you know, wasn't his best game. But I think even with the 0 of five in the first half, he was um, making some positive plays. And uh, you're allowed to have one bad shooting half, basically. And then you know, he was five of eight in the second half. So uh, obviously, he was good after halftime. And uh, we'll end with TLC on this night because I'm I usually in with Trey, but we'll, we'll go to Trey now. Uh, 29 points, 11 assists, and 7 rebounds for Trey Young. Had two steals as well. 
Five turnovers is not uh, great, but you know you can live with that when it's when there's 11 assists to go along with it. Plus seven for Trey. Um, only three of nine on twos, but was four of nine on threes and 11 of 13 at the free throw line. So he'll take that all day long. 29 points on about 24 shooting possessions for Trey, plus the assists. Uh, he was good in this game. He had some uh, sort of hiccups at times with his finishing and a couple of uh, bonehead passes. But, you know, the passing is always elite for Trey. He's always uh, creating something out of nothing on a possession by possession basis. And I thought he was good in this game um, just generally. So no, no surprise there, but he was a positive force for Atlanta. And then TLC, a uh, season high, career high in a lot of ways. But um, 23 points, 7 of 14 from three. Uh, that is a lot of attempts and a lot of makes, and honestly, I love that. Um, listeners, listeners of the podcast will know this, that I'm a big fan of guys hunting three-pointers if they are able and capable of shooting them. I think TLC, I'm sure someone told him, I, I would imagine or at least hope that someone on, on the coaching staff said, look, if you're open, get him up, because that's what he's going to be able to do on offense. He's not going to be a guy who creates shots off, off the dribble. He was one of four on twos in this game, but he is capable of making threes like I don't think he's going to make 7 out of 14 every game. And he's not like a great shooter, but he's a better shooter than Solomon Hill, for instance. And, uh, you know, has at least has to be guarded out there. But he was uh, he was aggressive in this game. 7-3 speaks for itself. But even defensively, Nate's been praising him. I've long said on the show to the point where people sort of made fun of me, but I've said forever, dating back to the summer, that TLC is a rotation caliber wing. And I still mean that. I think it's obviously you don't want him playing 38 minutes necessarily, which is where he was in this game. But having him... As an extra wing that they were not even going to play, you know, be playing a ton this year if they hadn't had injuries, is a very nice uh, luxury or a nice boost to have off the bench because you know he would be in the rotation for a lot of teams in the NBA, and he's obviously been in the rotation now for a while for the Hawks because of the injuries. But he is a capable player, and uh, it was fun to see him bury a bunch of shots in this game and get hot and kind of key the Hawks, uh, leave the team in three-point shooting and second in scoring, etc. In this game, so we'll end that there. But that was a fun, fun night at the office to watch TLC bomb away, and uh, generally the Hawks' offense um, produced at a high level given all of the three-point shooting in this contest. Uh, before we get out of here, a quick look look ahead at the rest of this week. The Hawks actually now have three days off, um, as they did last week. This is actually weird. They had such a gauntlet early on that they uh, have some breaks in the schedule. This is another one of those. They return home. Uh, they'll have Tuesday off in full because of the back-to-back and the travel, so there will be no appearances in terms of you know practice or media availability on Tuesday. Then they'll have some practice time Wednesday and Thursday, and then the next game on the agenda is Friday night at home against the Brooklyn Nets. That's going to be a fun night. Brooklyn's not been as dominant on offense as they have been in the past this year so far, but they've actually been better on defense, and they're playing they're playing pretty well. So Kevin Durant, James Harden, you can't really see, uh, sort of sleep on those guys. They have some injuries as well. Kyrie's still out of the lineup, etc. We'll get into all of that later on in the week, but that's next on the agenda for the Hawks in this spot. I'll have at least one podcast between now and then, probably two, um, as this is three days break. Three day breaks are just kind of weird for podcast scheduling, but I will have some content on the show between now and the uh, game on Friday evening, and then a, new, a new show as we always do after the game on Friday. So please stay tuned for all of that. Please subscribe to the podcast. It's been huge to have the support of everyone listening to the show, but we want, definitely want to grow the audience. So if you have Hawks fan friends in your life that might enjoy the podcast, send them a link or uh, tell them to look it up on their podcast platform of choice however you find that I'm also on Twitter at BT Roland the show is on Twitter at Locked on Hawks and I would definitely encourage you to follow us there as well for uh, the latest on the podcast and updates and analysis etc and uh, thank you again for listening to the show and we'll see you next time